But what you see now is uh, a lot more, shall we say, regular people getting into the into digital content creation. And rather than the model of someone building up a vast audience with undifferentiated content, and then using the model of selling advertising off the back of that, you have um, people going super niche on the on the content they're creating, focusing on u- utility, education, entertainment, and building much smaller audiences, but much more engaged audiences. Welcome to CR Improv, Mickey. Welcome back. Here we are in the cool of the fall. Cool of the fall. You know, we haven't officially said this, Jimmy, and I was thinking about it before we recorded, but I'm just going to throw it here while we're recording to put us both on the spot. I feel like this is the kickoff of season two. It might be. Yeah. Well, we're like, welcome to season two. Welcome to season two. Season of life. (laughs) That's Uh, how we do things with CR Improv. Yeah. Just make it up. We make it up as we go, but yeah. we've been on a little bit of break. We're in the fall. Yep. It's cooling off. School's settled in for the year. Feels like a great time to say this is season two. It does. And we have an incredible guest with us today that I'm so excited to, to hear from. With us today is Kyle Campbell from the UK. Kyle, nice to have you on CRM Prov. Hi, um, thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyone who has a beard and glasses, I feel like it's just like a total fit for me. And then you wear like a, you know, a, a flannel shirt. And I feel like you and I are, we're kind of like maybe related. So somehow, like, <laughs> it's a it look in it. I mean, the only reason I have the beard is because I can't like, grow the hair on top here. Yeah, It's funny. So it's more of okay. A, it's funny that, situation. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned this because I'm personally going through this little bit of a dilemma. I'm in a, I'm taking a, a course on, or I'm, I'm learning a little bit more about personal branding. And one of the, I'm uh, sitting under this guy who basically encourages the people who are listening to him to, uh, to basically create this visual metaphor for yourself. So AKA get a look, you know, like get a look. And I'm trying to figure (laughs) out what my look needs to be. So I typically, I don't really wear glasses. I wear them because I'm getting old and I, I need them for reading, but I actually do like the way they look. So I feel like the glasses are part of it, but I've been considering, I used to not have any hair by choice and i've considered getting rid of the hair so i'm kind of like in this in the in the throes of this decision making process right now but anyway back to you kyle kyle is the founder um of uh tell me yeah go ahead and introduce you and tell us a little bit about what you do right now um and your company so i'm I'm the founder of education marketer um the i guess the the aim and the, the goal of the business is to help people working in higher education marketing uh create a lens uh, a way of looking at the market and the the opportunities uh, within it the, the sort of the, the driving force behind that really is that i've i've been a higher ed marketer for over 10 years and i always felt my own personal development was uh, it usually kind of resulted in like a you know a one day workshop or you know the occasional white paper it always felt very piecemeal and that, and there wasn't like a in the uk specifically a go to place where people like me could get a consistent form of higher education marketing education insight um or just to hear from someone who kind of understands what they're going through <laughs> um so i so i created this and uh it's a it's a subscription-based content business um i have a, a free newsletter that comes out every fortnight but then um if people like 
the, the way I kind of talk about content, uh, higher ed marketing news, et cetera, uh, their, their teams can subscribe to a, to a larger package. And it seems to be one of the only things of its, its kind in, uh, in the sector. And it's good. I think the kind of general feedback I, I get is that, that people are really happy to read something and then not be sold advertising at the end of it. So yeah. I think I've scratched a, a nice little itch in, in the niche. So, yeah, it's it's a great uh, it's a great thing to do. And I, I guess we're talking about creators today, aren't we? And yeah, you could say I'm a, a sort of hybrid creator consultant kind of person. So I practice what I preach for sure. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, you've, and- Kai, you've already said two things that resonate so with me. Well, one thing that really resonates with me and another thing I just want to hear over and over the word Fortnite. I mean, anytime you could drop that word naturally into a conversation without talking uh, about a video game. Right. Right. Um, That's good too. Yeah. I I'm, I'm like drooling. I want more. Right? So, uh, and then uh, practice what you preach. And I always say, I'd rather preach what I practice, right? Let's do the work and then talk mm. about it. Yeah. Uh, which by the way, I think Jamie could go back to your personal brand, uh, conversation that's an episode in itself i have lots of thoughts on personal branding but okay yeah, per- I, yeah. That'll, well, be actually, that'll be another short that, um, that's actually you know you 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 sparked some thinking a couple of weeks ago when you and i were talking but but back to you know kyle's newsletter actually is is part of the reason you're on the show today i think you know i really just started following you a couple of you know a couple months ago potentially on linkedin and was very taken by a lot of the work that you've been doing, research, digging, you've been doing on just kind of the emergence of this creator economy. So what I'm kind of curious about is like, maybe you can just like, in a very survey type type uh, way, and Mickey and I do have a tendency to go a little. We, we tend to be a little long in the tooth here sometimes on our uh, on our program. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I'd like to do is maybe give like a survey approach of like what, how do you think about creators versus influencer, and like where do you see that sure. going? So I mean, there's no hard line between this stuff. It's it, it's kind of gray. But for me, I think I can kind of build the, the differences between the two here. So. Uh, for me, if you think about like 2012, this is where you've got your influencer culture really starting to gain ground. And these are people who essentially build a, a digital presence and just share what their what their life is, what they're doing, um, the sort of people they meet, etc. And we love celebrities and we, we've done this. This is not a new idea. It's just that reinvented for a, a digital and, and social space. But what you see now is uh, a lot more, shall we say, regular people getting into the into digital content creation and rather than the model of someone building up a vast audience with undifferentiated content and then using the model of selling advertising off the back of that you have um people going super niche on the on the content they're creating focusing on u- utility education entertainment and building much smaller audiences, but much more engaged audiences. And by proxy, I guess, very valuable audiences to, to marketers. Um, so, I mean, the value of actually, for instance, someone works with, with me because I have access to higher education marketers and I provide insight. Um, so a brand might want to partner with me and do like a sponsored webinar series, for instance. Now, they wouldn't partner with someone who's like a, a general creator. They partner sure. with me because I have the niche. Um, and it's the same for loads of creators like myself. And, you know, the big stat for me that really hammered it home is that there's, I think there's like 25 million people who earn around 40,000 pounds a year from just the content they create, which is a respectable salary, but it doesn't sure. make you an influencer. You know, it makes you a, a creator who understands their audience, 
you know, knows what content they want and you serve that niche. You're not out to be famous or to be known, but you are known in that small niche in that circle and that keeps you sustained. So that's the that's the kind of main difference for me. It's the brushstroke, the broad, the mass media versus the niche long tail media model. It's, it's super interesting to think about. Like, you know, I, I uh, so you know, admittedly being an old guy, I feel like this is all just so, you know, foreign, right? Like it just feels like, first of all, you know, the whole idea of having, I I feel like I'm a hustler, right? I like Mm -hmm. the hustle, but I feel like the generation of students and, and people who are graduating college, like they have so much hustle built in and, and maybe it's just the circles that I live in, but I feel like it's, it's this mix of what you're talking about, like this how do I create this audience for myself? How, how do I figure out like what, what I am and what the wares are that I want to like talk about. But then I think the beautiful part about it and that, you know, the capitalist in me just loves this. It's like, and how do I turn that into um, an actual like income, a living, like, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's fascinating. Monetization um, elements really interesting. I, and, and this is, this is what I, I run like, small digital sessions workshops with with students looking to create content-led businesses and you know a lot of the times they they use these channels every day um but they don't know how to to build audiences and monetize and and the difference between renting audiences and owning audiences Mm -hmm. and i do feel that there's a massive um gap that universities could potentially fill in in that area because you know, I, I've read research recently that I think it's a 10,000 uh, survey with like uh, young people, Generation Z, Generation A, like uh, almost half of them want to be creators. Yeah. Now, and that's that's not necessarily they just want to do content creation for a living. They still want a profession. Sure. But they want the content element around it to augment those those careers. And at the moment, I can't see any university that offers modules or guidance or, or workshop support in, in that area and I'm thinking wow you know if you want to align with the the needs of young people what they want you, you should really tap into this you, it'd be like a beacon if a university had that that sort sure. of approach maybe it's like an enterprise degree or like even if it's just something like a bolt-on no one's doing it you yeah. know it's it's it, they're crying out for it uh, I'm, su- I'm surprised I haven't seen it yet yeah that's, that's, that is actually a good idea. So I, you know, I, I listen to this show called my first million. Um, so if you ever listen to that, it's a, it's a HubSpot podcast, but those guys yeah. give these ideas away sometimes, um, Sam and, uh, I forget the other guys, the other co-host name, but they give away these business ideas all the time. I think you just gave one away. Like if, if, if an <laughs> institution or, you know, maybe an OPM or something like that wants to create a certification, that's like talking about yeah. content creation or enterprise. I feel like that's, that that could be that could be it. I mean, you're right. So, I mean, the, the stuff like this exists, you know, but it's it's definitely not targeted towards the youth end of the market. Right. It's, it's very yep. much people like myself, like you know, millennials who've had corporate careers and now they're, sure. they're pivoting out at like mid thirties sort of thing. But there's there's a huge area there for education for younger people, and we'll probably get onto it in a bit. Um, but it's, <laughs> Ten years it's, from it's, now. yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but I'm 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 just amazed that you know how many how young people consume content these days, mm-hmm. you know, like 95% of um, generation A use um, YouTube, right? The, the primary way they're consuming content is via creators. And, and yet the content we create in, in universities doesn't reflect that, that sort of style. And in, in the primary, you, again, there's a bit of a divide, a bit of a, a bit of a journey to go on there. Yeah. 
yeah and that's a go ahead mickey you had a you were so i'm i'm really in, intrigued about this for um a couple of i've got lots of thoughts already running through my head um this is the first conversation i've had with anyone where i was involved and we actually referenced the term generation a um sure. so i'm feeling particularly old at this moment but we'll let that slide i'm um, sorry about that yeah. it's okay um came across this twice in in three weeks time um relatively recent google stat 65 percent of searches do not end in clicks yeah yeah because google's keeping that traffic internally now so when you ask the question on google google's just presenting it on this page mm -hmm. um because it's it's not going to send you to another website for a crap piece of stat that they can give you themselves yeah. um right and so the the need to be the authority on a deeper issue within that same question mm -hmm. is more relevant because then it actually will send people there and not give the answer itself hey i know you're deeply engaged with this conversation but we're going to pause just for a moment for an important word from our sponsors if your email templates or website are stuck in 2010 or your program brochures look like they could have been made in microsoft paint it's time to give the sponsor of this week's episode a call meet unincorporated Unincorporated is a higher education agency committed to building awareness, growing enrollment, and launching programs for universities. If Nike and Apple decided to venture into the higher education branding space, their top competitor would be Unincorporated. Meet the disruptors in the education design industry and subscribe to their newsletter to get a weekly download of the most important trends in higher ed at unincorporated.com forward slash enrollify. Again, that's unincorporated.com forward slash enrollify. But the second piece that I think is relevant here is that for the first time, Google acknowledged that there's a dip in searches on Google and YouTube because it's going to TikTok and that algorithm is not connected to Google. And it is this Generation Z and A that are heavy users of this platform and is starting to do their searches within that. Um, and I'm, to me, that's something to, to think about because um, three weeks ago before I heard any of this or thought about it, at all, like it's TikTok. I, you know, I, I don't I don't have a rationale why colleges really need to be there, because yeah. it's just a place where people go watch stupid short videos of people dancing, trying stunts, right? No, nothing of significance. And, and you know, I would say a month or two ago, I heard somebody talking about, oh, I'm selling on TikTok's the way to be, and I'm like gagged, like you know, mm, no, no, no. But I'm wrong. Maybe not right now. <laughs> but will be. And if it's not TikTok, it will be something else. If TikTok fades, it will be another platform. So I'm acknowledging that. Um, so that really, I think, stands out to me. And the other thing is you, you, you're talking about in terms of that universities aren't preparing the students for this mm. creator slash influencer type thing. And I don't know that necessarily, you know, I'm, I'm thinking as an enrollment management person, I don't know that we have to support it as a four credit course, but what if we offered that to our own admissions ambassadors, people that are already working with us and we started teaching them that, not with the expectation or requirement that they support us and talk about us and create and influence people to support us as an institution or as enrollment, but you might see through that some result from that because you are starting to teach them that and they're learning how to do this effectively and building their brand and they might pay that back. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, that, that's I think for sure having a, there's a few things I want to pick up on though. You said some really interesting stuff around search and, and TikTok, but on the on the media, I think, yeah, if going the, the full course route is like, you know, we were talking earlier about baby steps first, right? Um, the the best thing any university marketing team can do, or any team responsible for managing creators or student creators, um, is is to offer some sort of internal like training program. And you know, sometimes the creators don't need it, but but quite often, if you're working with student creators, they they haven't quite made it yet. They've got some promising talent, but they still need shaping in order to mm-hmm. create content for, for a brand. And I, and I do feel that within that, there is a there is a room for that 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 content business ed- education and you know I, I often I often joke I would have done my company a lot sooner if I had the proper education um because we're taught in in business that you need the product first right I didn't have a product when I started my business I started with audience and I knew the product would come hmm. and we don't work that way in business we're taught what you should do is like you, you should go out and get like a business loan and all that sort of stuff and actually you can bootstrap this thing with, with an audience as a almost like a side gig for a while and then you know the pivot point and where you can go full-time with that that model um i don't spend a, a penny on advertising you know all of my stuff's um uh, based on inbound through uh, demand creation techniques it's a completely different way to mm. think about a business model and you know i do agree i think that that knowledge while it doesn't necessarily necessarily need to be passed on by like a, a unit and a module-based course and credit bearing it would be very useful for young people to hear this um, on the on the question around search and TikTok, I find that fascinating as well. Um, and you are right; it was Google who said actually we're we're losing out a lot of potential traffic due to people using uh, social media for for search. I, I think um, I, I'm with you, and that I don't think there's going to be a huge pivot away from like Google as the dominant player in in search for a while. I think social is better at fulfilling certain searches. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wrote about this on LinkedIn this morning, like whereas social media search is great for showing you what's happening, for making you feel connected. It's awful at revealing the why behind stuff, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. You still we have read the same article. We read the same one. Um, Sorry, because that was, that was it. it. It'll tell you the what. Yeah, not the yeah. You, you need to do the research and piece yes. things together. In today's together. world, that that willingness or, or maybe blindness to the fact that we're seeing the what and not the why, mm. to me, is this, the scary part of it. But um, that's, again, another topic, another day. But, um, but I think it's an important distinction. And from a strategic standpoint, if you can figure out how to drive them from one to the other, from getting the what to finding the why, mm. you might bridge that gap yourself. Indeed. I'm kind of curious, Kyle, um, thinking about how you think of the this emergence of this creator generation or, or this, this type of student. So Mickey and I normally talk about like, again, this kind of like tried and true CRM technology that, that mm-hmm. seemingly is a never ending kind of a cycle on a campus, right? Like we obviously need technology. We need software to make sure that our connections are happening. Yeah. But I, I'm really curious about like how you think um, the emergence of this kind of creator generation could influence how we market outward, like how our message change changes um how the use of technology changes or like what are those kind of like x factors that a school could really leverage um as they're thinking about the you know how to how to best maximize you know this this mentality 
so there's there's just two things there isn't it is that the marketing message and the almost the tech stack you need to support that so so in terms of marketing um i think it completely transforms branding because in the past we've had brands as conversations centrally controlled and then cascaded down to the various facets and campaigns that go out to market but now we're seeing the move to creators and others representing your brands the the brand almost becomes like a a platform to raise the, the customer voice and that requires like a very different model to, to think about branding. Um, you know, anecdotally, I, I've been working with several agencies and they, they, they're working on branding projects. And one of the things they're trying to get their head around is how they incorporate the idea of how creators speak about brands and the relationship between creators and brand into those documents, like tone of voice and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the power almost uh, and the control almost shifts from um, the, like the, the brand and having that real good center control panel out into the individuals talking talking about it. So the the future of like marketing, at least over the next few years, I think is very much focused on relationships with, with those who have access to to audience. Because I, I just don't think the the old command and control style of branding is going to endure in in the environment that we have the the second the second area of of um of technology and how it it integrates with with this i think the number one challenge of all of these creator-led initiatives campaigns whatever you want to call them uh, and all of the kind of native publishing stuff as well and you know like rather than building presence on websites building presence in in channels Mm-hmm. It, it raises up a real problem around attribution, tracking, uh, measurement, and you know, in the past, we've our CRMs have been been good at showing us where where leads come from. Some are better implemented than others. A lot of them are based on last click, unfortunately. Um, and what what people see in their CRM does not necessarily reflect the dark social journey that these prospects go on to their conversion path so in your crm it might say that all right paid search but actually that applicant that prospect had a conversation with student peer they looked at a forum they saw your ads but didn't click on it they spoke in a private group they watched a creator video over a period of two years but we don't currently track that very well now there are ways to do that but i think this clear cut this is how I'm attributing this one piece of marketing to the overall result. It's just not suitable in 2022. It might've mm. worked in 2012 when brands were largely still in control of all the conversations and sure. messaging that happens. But now it's very easy to go anywhere online and get the information you want, make a decision completely independent of the brand. And yet we're still measuring kind of in the same way. So I, I think there's a little bit of work to do around there. I'm, I'm happy to, to dive into that and, unless uh, you, you want to kind of uh, uh, chip in as well. Could I be interested to hear what you guys think about this with your your expertise and your niche area? Yeah, I, well, if I'm being honest, like I feel like sometimes we get stuck in that old like command and control attribution model. Um, and right here on the spot like having heard you say that like i'm a little overwhelmed by thinking about how do we how do we then like figure out like what are the points that are pushing in so that we can measure those things because measurement is a big deal schools are making hundred thousand dollar you know million plus decision million dollar decisions based on like optimization of campaigns and good things that are working 
And when that becomes more decentralized and harder to like figure out the, you know, the source of, of, of truth or the source of where that's coming from, that's real, that becomes a much, uh, a much harder puzzle to put together. So Mickey, what are your thoughts there? I don't have anything different to add. <laughs> I'd say yes. I like, uh, it's one of those where you, if you ever go to a conference and you see a panel and someone asks a panelist a question, and the first person says an answer and the second one says, yep, I agree with that one. The room is like, so, I think yes. there's a, there's a few ways you can, you can look at this, but I mean, the, the, I, I see signs that this is happening all over the place. And I think people measure in, in higher ed marketing, for instance, it's very tempting to measure individual channels and how they perform, sure. but often yep. it's the combination of, of media that has the impact. Um, I had a story from someone I interviewed recently and they, they were at a conference and they heard from EA Games. Now, EA, EA Games, massive provider, right? They've got huge like money to burn on this sort of stuff. <laughs> but they run campaigns across all the digital media channels, right? Like, you know, Twitch, YouTube, um, Instagram, whatever it is, right? But they realized that, you know, their campaigns were only effective. Everything's running concurrently at the same time. As soon as mm -hmm. they kill one channel media, every else just, just falls as well. So, you know, we, we might look at one thing and go, oh, that's not performing. But if you take it out, it's going to impact everything else. Mm. I mean, in, terms, in terms of the measurement question as well, I think I mean, there's two things. One is measuring more holistically, like EA, uh, but, but doing so over time. Sure. Um, so rather than, you know, looking at initiatives over like, you know, one instance, how did it perform? It's like, okay, well, actually, when all these things were running over a period of six months, did we see strategic metrics imp sure. like impacted like number of applications or conversions or, or whatever it is? The the other one is, and I can't I can't take credit for this. Um, but I'm a I'm a huge fan. I'm essentially a student of Chris Walker, Demand Gen, uh, State of Demand Gen podcast. And he has a very simple technique that just kind of opened my eyes a, a bit. He he adds a, a how did you hear about us field sure. on his his forms. Mm -hmm. And he makes it required and a free text. And the level of insight he gets from asking that question hmm. um, is it's just astounding. And the 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 funny thing is, it's a complete odds to what sometimes the CRM software says. Now, I'm not saying the CRM software is wrong. It just doesn't have the level of insight. Now, I've implemented this with a few of my university clients. It's a good idea. I'm going to use it in the work I do as well. Um, and you might get like something of a student coming through CRM says organic search, but actually the reason they're, they're going to the university is because their sibling went there or they had a really inspirational talk from a, a lecturer or something, but you don't get that insight unless you, you ask the question. So yeah, there is a way to kind of tap into this dark social element and the things sure. that are influencing people, but it's not as easy to scale as the qualitative stuff. So it's, it's an extra bit of work and it's also adding another field to the forms, which is yeah. often a sticking point <laughs> for people. Right. Um, but it's a nice, it's an interesting perspective and it's, sure. it's not something I would have thought of. And since implementing it, you know, the, the qualitative insights and the patterns you can see are just so hmm. valuable. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I, well, I, totally... I, I have a question. I wanted to find is, is what you're doing different that, you're requiring the question was it something you hadn't been asking was yeah, it something that was a drop down pick list yeah so there's there's two yeah. things there it, some clients don't do it at all 
so yep. they won't ask the question yes others do the drop down list which is terrible because people just pick the first one <laughs> yep. or it's you're pre-conscribing what people can and, pick yeah and that's what i'm thinking you know i don't always re require that or, or recommend to our clients that they require mm. it I, I mean i i get torn on it depending upon the scenario and their priorities of, of their need to know that answer yeah. mm -hmm. um but i i can't say that i've in the last 10 years ever recommended the open mm. yeah that and and i i like it at this point because you know what you said, and it, it just seems to make sense now. I think it fits now because there's so many channels, and sure, you know, just because the data you're capturing isn't structured at point of capture, it doesn't mean you can't apply tools and searches and filters afterwards to make it yeah. structured sure. in the back end. So, and, and I'm curious to see on, uh, and, you know, obviously we can't see now, but uh, you know, the long term, how do you handle two years of that da data, like? I, like as an enrollment management person at a smaller institution, I could see I'm going to read every single one of them yeah. and I'm, and I will extract what I need to, because I'm going to personally see it all. Sure. When I've got 5,000 of those things coming in and people are like, how do you break that apart and, and then do something actionable with it? It's Mickey. It's super easy. Yeah. You pull that field into a, into a document and then you build a word cloud with it and you just look at the word cloud. Yeah, love a word cloud. But are I they mean, doing it in words? Are they doing it in like big terms? And I'm, you know, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, obviously, yeah. there's, there's a, but, but there's got to be a way. The to word like, cloud, word cloud would, would give you, it give you like, I think the, your first level insight that's yeah, gonna, right, that can help direct. It's gonna them. give you like your primary channels. Like, what yeah. are the ones that we need to like double down on? Where do we like see the biggest investment? Yeah. Or, you know, what's the one that's coming top of mind for students? Kyle, you have like opened our minds to a whole new way of thinking here. This is. Well, it, it changes because I the word cloud works, but the word cloud is not a report I can see in the tool. Yeah, like oh, that's sure. not I can't sure. build a report that says, you know, type of report word cloud on this. <laughs> I mean, tools. This is the other thing as well. Like the tools we use today aren't aren't built to capture this information because yes, it's not it's not an industry that's profitable for these companies <laughs> it's it's dark social it's the things sure. it's organic it can't yeah. it can't be measured so you know it's not like it's you know google google ads and things which can be measured and it's very easy to so it, it, you, your tools won't be there and a lot of it is a kind of a bit of a workaround and yeah you know using like keywords and search and stuff like that at the moment to, to pull your own insights um i mean the other thing is like you if you're getting this data coming in as you go along and you're, you're looking at it you do get the idea of the patterns and what are those trends emerging right. and then you adjust the content and, and sure. things you put out as as a result and it and it works at scale and it works for a smaller business sure. like my own um but yeah it's not uh unfortunately there's there's no magic report button for it yet because it's pretty new and and, and it's not like a standard way that people measure people don't try and measure dark social um normally it's a relatively new phenomenon to be honest yeah well, this has been super uh, informative. Um, I lots of ideas. I think are running through my head, Kyle. Um, thank you for taking time to to share with us. This is this is this is a great great start to season two. That's what it I'm is. searching I for. I mean, this is like the best start to season two that I could think of right here. This is amazing. So, yep. um, Kyle, your insights have been great. Keep pumping out. Like I've really appreciated what you're doing on LinkedIn, and having read the even the TikTok article this morning, I was just you know, it, it's, 
here, here's the thing I take away from it as a, as almost a lifelong enrollment marketer uh, that used to be on the institution side. I think that we constantly need to be immersing ourselves in thinking, challenging the way we think, right? My company has a, uh, a core value is challenge conventional thinking. And we need to continue to challenge conventional thinking. And I think that what you're putting out uh, in your newsletter and in the, you know, the material that your content is just helping me to challenge how I have thought about a lot of enrollment marketing things. So thank you. And I hope we can have you on again. Absolutely. 100%. And thank you very much. It's, it's lovely to hear that feedback. I really appreciate it. Yeah. All right, everyone. You have successfully, uh, hopefully gained uh, through the use of your time here. So like, uh, we're hoping to have you back. Thanks for joining us today on CR Improv. Zach here from Neurolify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of CRM Prov. If you liked this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.